Hall of Fame Village Media and the Pro Football Hall of Fame present Football Heaven. Did you think about these things and, and write them down or, or these things that were kind of off the cuff as you were going through the highlights and working on the show? Or were you looking at players week by week and saying, oh, you know, I can add this into my my repertoire? Well, that's a good question. I, I did a sleep with the rosters. That's how rumors start. <laughs> Joe, once again, as we get ready to kick off another Football Heaven episode, this week we're talking about nicknames. And we get, we got to start here in the Pro Football Hall of Fame's archive, where I'm surrounded by artifacts and documents related to some of the most iconic nicknames in pro football history. In this episode, you know, we're going to talk about individuals uh, like the bus, the tuna, Joe Cool, the Snake, some uh, defenses like the Purple People Eaters or the New York Sack Exchange. But, you know, today I, I really want to kick this off with, with some artifacts related to, to some of the, uh, the, these great nicknames in pro football. Yeah, you know, John, you, you might steal one of Chris Berman's uh, lines right now, the king of nicknames, because you're back, 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 back in the back of your archives there. <laughs> you sound a little remote, but that's because you're where you're, you have to sit to get so many artifacts in front of you. But yeah, um, you had some great stuff there. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a background as to some of the items that are sitting there in front of you? Well, I think the, the two, you know, to, to the right and left of my face here are, are really, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, related artifacts, Pro Football uh, Hall of Famer related artifacts. We've got, uh, you know, sweetness. You know, Walter Payton, one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. We've got his iconic uh, Kango uh, headband from when he broke the NFL's all-time rushing record, and, and that's uh, draped over... Uh, a game ball from that game when when he broke the rushing record against the New Orleans Saints. And then to my left, we've got uh, mean Joe Green, who, as you know, will tell you he's anything but mean. Uh, But mean Joe Green, uh, his shoes that that he wore uh, on that uh, awful turf, uh, you know, in in Three River Stadium. But, uh, you know, two nicknames there. You got... uh, Mean Joe Green playing on the Steel Curtain defense. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And you know, with so many of these guys, you know, like Sweetness, you mentioned Walter Payton. You know, you you think about their nickname, and you wonder uh, how on earth did you get a guy like Walter Payton? Gets a nice, uh, loving uh, type of name like Sweetness, and Joe Green gets Mean Joe Green. You know, it, it's uh, a real contrast. But obviously, there's stories behind all of them, and uh, we're going to get into it a little bit. Absolutely. Here we've got uh, 1963 class member uh, Bronco Nagurski's Hall of Fame ring. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting nickname considering his, his first name. Many people probably don't know was Bronislaw, right? I mean, <laughs> so, well, so. If your name was Bronislaw. I mean, you know, first of all, it sounds like a fullback. But uh, I imagine in school, you'd probably rather be known as Bronco. Right, right. And and somebody here, this helmet uh, from Calvin Johnson, somebody that changed the wide receiver position, uh, how we look at it today in the modern era, these larger receivers. um, You know, he was known as Megatron. Right. And uh, so so that's his uh, 
his helmet from uh, his career and and very interesting you know some of the cleats uh, that he wore actually had the transformer logo on them throughout his career so uh, another another great hall of fame player another great nickname you know john you use the name megatron you know that's so contemporary in the sense of our younger listeners would know what that is right away whereas when we start talking about uh, uh, some of these other guys that uh, you know played in, in the years gone past they might not catch even the purple people eaters you know they're gonna you know wonder where the heck that came from you know, you know that's something akin to the 60s so it is kind of fun. Not only are the nicknames interesting, but again, the different generations of nicknames make more sense to the appropriate generation. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, a, a more contemporary generation, uh, the Madden football game, you know, we, we had a special relationship with, with Coach Madden here, obviously. And, you know, we would always talk that, you know, there were, you know, three different generations that, that, that knew Coach Madden. And, and he would always tell you, if somebody reached out and said, hey, Coach, they, they knew him from his, his coaching career. If, if they you know, called him John Madden, they, they knew him from his broadcasting career. And if they just yelled out, hey, Madden, they were probably a younger uh, uh, kid that, that knew him from the, the video game. And, and right here we have the video game from 2015, the Madden uh, 15 game that has uh, Richard uh, Sherman on, on the cover, which was he was part of the Legion of Boom defense. Right. Uh, we got a double with, man. You got a double nickname there. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And then last but not least, you know, we talk a lot about um, the, the greatest show on turf. One of the few uh, nicknames of a group related to an offensive team, you know, an offensive side of the ball. And and here uh, at, at the very uh, bottom of your screen, you see Isaac Bruce, a uh, great Hall of Fame wide receiver from that, that um, you know, greatest show on turf team. His locker uh, title um, from, from Super Bowl 36, and then uh, Coach Vermeil donated the game plan from the Super Bowl 36 uh, game when the greatest show on turf defeated the Tennessee Titans in that uh, epic last-second defensive stop, which is actually the defense that uh, would, would hold on to win, win the game for the Rams as opposed to their high-powered offense. Right. You know, and it's interesting, too, you mentioned Dick Vermeil with his uh, coach's playbook. You know, at the Hall of Fame, we, we, we think of an archive as a three-dimensional collection, but there's also our two-dimensional collection of documents and, and photographs, which that's a great representation of, of some of the uh, – or of one of the uh, types of relevant uh, two-dimensional uh, archive materials we collect, coaches' playbooks and play sheets and so on. Well, they're some of my favorite because you really get an, a, a different perspective of – you know, the academic aspect of the sport, right? And then you, you talked about the, the two-dimensional collection. And, you know, while uh, over my shoulder we've talked at great length about uh, in, in previous episodes about the Tom Brady draft card since 1997, we've received the draft card of every player drafted into the National Football League. One of those iconic one-name nicknames that you know exactly who we're talking about, uh, this is... Gronk's draft card from 2010, the second round pick. So Rob Gronkowski, uh, Gronk, what a fitting nickname. Perfect. That's, that's the uh, contemporary Bronco. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So really looking forward to uh, jumping into this episode of Nicknames uh, with Chris Berman and looking, looking forward to, to getting into it. Well, Joe, John, we can't possibly talk about nicknames without the master of nicknames, a gentleman who's been coming up with nicknames for, am I allowed to say that it's four decades or? Um, it, it only hurts for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a point of pride, Chris Berman. Thank you so much for giving us some time. And hopefully you'll have a new nickname for Joe Horgan by the time we're done. <laughs> well, um, I've been working on it. I have some that I can't put on, on, uh, on this webcast but whatever we'll do it behind closed doors i don't know what's more pressure when brett um who was the first one it was george brett who asked you to come up with a nickname for him right well i had all right the short version because that's baseball because we were on every night before you were born um and um so a few of them just spilled out. They date back to college days. You're on the air at 2.30 in the morning, which is 11.30 on the West Coast. But in Connecticut in the winter, it's snowing and you're on TV and you're a little giddy, you know. A couple of them came out, et cetera. They worked. I wasn't trying to be, hey, I'm Chris Berman. This is going to be my my calling card. It doesn't work. A um, couple of them came out. A few more that baseball season, like maybe 100 or 200 more. Now we're 82, again, before you were born. And um, uh, I go to a big series. Football is on strike. That's the only reason I could be at this thing late September. And the Royals are playing the Angels, and they're battling for first place. It's a week to go. And I go to the batting cage, and, you know, I'm I'm young, and this and this. George Brett comes over and sticks his hand out. Chris, George Brett, like, parentheses, no blank. You know, I didn't say. <laughs> um, and... You know, we all watch, blah, blah, blah. But we're a little annoyed at you. And what do you mean? He says, well, the Royals don't have as many nicknames as, as as other teams. And now this is like a big game they're going to play. Again, it's not one minute before. It's batting practice, but it's okay. So, and he brings over Willie Wilson. He brings over um, – Hal McRae, Frank White, a couple of the Royal, they all kind of gather around, not annoyed, but hey, we need Nick, whatever. And and I said, well, George, you're already established. I can't call you Wonder Brett or you're already George Brett. You know, he goes, well, what's yours? I said, well, I, I don't know. I got a few, but he goes, well, we'll have one for you after the game. Okay, fine. Now they play the game. He wins it with naturally with a double in the bottom of the eighth. I think they win six to five, five to four, seven to six. Media around him in the locker room comes out of the shower, uh, mostly print. And I'm standing back. I'm not, hey, I'm big time. I, I'm nobody in 1982. He gets halfway through his first answer with the with all the local news. They got to get his soundbite and get it on the news, you know. And in the middle of his first answer, well, tell us about the pitch. Well, I went down. It was outside. Outside, I tried to drive it to left field, which we were able to do. Blah. He gets halfway through and he goes, there he is, Ethel Merman Berman. So I said, George Brett is thinking about this during a big game in which he just won. And this is what comes out of his mouth. And it, it that particularly formed a lifelong friendship. Um, so I've had others, but from George Brett, that's pretty good. Okay, but when you rank that among the pantheon of your all-time favorite nicknames. For me? 
For, no, just in general, nicknames oh. in general. Oh, wow. I mean, baseball was really in the 80s, more and I was on every night. And frankly, what happened was there weren't a lot of the games weren't on TV on a Tuesday night. You know, Seattle at Kansas City, like here's the score, five to two. Make it entertaining. So we did. So baseball, the all-time best baseball would be, he's a Hall of Famer, Burt Behom, Bly Levin. Uh, <laughs> and the reason that's the best is not because it's mine, it has nothing to do with it, but every kid has heard it. Mm -hmm. Every parent said it. You don't have to know he's a pitcher. He pitches for the Pirates or the Twins or the various teams. You don't have to know that he's got a great curveball. You don't have to know that he won 280 whatever games. You just have to know be home by 11. Let's switch. Let's switch to the NFL really quickly now, since obviously that's our favorite sport here, at least for the three of us. Do you remember what your first NFL nickname was? The first NFL nickname you bestowed. You know what? That's a good, because baseball, I can tell you that it had to be one of two because I'd never done any of them before. And it was three in the morning and it came out football. So it's 87, which we would have, that was the first year of NFL primetime. Um, which was, of course, an hour of extended highlights, and it was really wall-to-wall video. I don't know. I mean, let's see, 87. So let me think of some of the players that were playing at 80. Steve Bono, was he playing yet? That may not have been the first one, but but some of them were singing nicknames like, go back to past, you know, do-do-do-do, I got you, babe, Bono. And, um, and... I'm trying to think. Uh, well, Andre Risen was he in the league in '87? Probably not. Um, probably still. Okay. Let's do this then, Chris. Instead of making you stretch, 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 can you remember the first player you gave a nickname to who was inducted into the Hall of Fame? Joe might know that. Boy, that's even better. That's, you know, uh-huh. I, I would say, Chris, that uh, they got elected to the Hall of Fame partly because of their nickname. You know, well, you brought a lot of attention to guys. You know, when you started to mention Bad Moon Rising, you know, I mean, there was there were just these names that that caught on. It became their name, you know, uh, Neon Dion or, or Primetime. I mean, nobody said Primetime more than you. No. Uh, and it certainly put the spotlight on the guy. So yeah, you contributed in that way. But some of the great names, you know, Chris, you and I, we love history. They go way back at DD. And, uh, you know, and, and it's a kind of a, a thing that's kind of gone away. You know, athletes used to all have nicknames, you know, Babe Ruth. I mean, if you ask a kid today what was his first name, they wouldn't have a clue. I mean, you went by the bait. And it's kind of the same way with a guy, Chris, you know, uh, I love this kind of stuff, but Red Grange. Red Grange had more nicknames than, than uh, he had brothers and sisters. He was Red Grange. He was the Wheaton Iceman. He delivered ice in the offseason during his high school and college years. And then the one, <clears throat> the Galloping Ghost. That, was, that one kind of came after in 1923 when Illinois, where Red Grange was the star and probably the best known athlete at the time, uh, ran uh, or scored six touchdowns when they played Michigan in the opening game of their new stadium. It led, and I'm going to read this, the uh, legendary Grantland Rice mm. to describe his athletic feats this way. A streak of fire, a breath of flame, 
eluding all who reached the clutch, a gray ghost thrown into the game that rival hands may never touch. I mean, that, that, that was the romanticism of nicknames and players back in then that Grantland Rice is writing poetry about. So Grantland Rice to Chris Berman, we went from poetry to rock and roll references. So it's been it's been a long trip, Chris, but it's been one that uh, is now historic in nature. And you're the man. Well, well, I shouldn't be in the same sense as Grantland Rice. But here's what I would say to add on for Didi, and then we can go back Um we have to remember that people didn't see any of these plays. Yes, there were people that saw the galloping ghosts, et cetera. But really the baseball and the football neck in twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and even, you know, sixties, I was reviving a lost art. It wasn't like I was any Renaissance man, but they were descriptive, you know, concrete right. Charlie, yeah. Chuck Bednarik was my goodness. He was as tough, obviously a defensive or a linebacker, two way player, but, as you ever could see, Joe the Jet Perry was faster than most uh, running back for the 49ers and a gentleman, as Joe uh, knows, too. Um, slinging Sammy Paul was exactly that. His arm was better than anybody else that, that had ever seen at that time in the 30s and the 40s. So for the football and baseball, too, um, they were descriptive. They were lit- Gail Sayers, which is, of course, a DD. Well, Joe. The 60s, right? The Kansas Comet, he went to Kansas. So because he was, he ran like a comet, right? And so it was, if you had an illusion of what he looked like as a player because of this, these nicknames. Now, mine were more plays on the name, um, which is more sorts of fun, but never were ever intended to be negative. They really weren't. uh, and aside, and it is a DD show, Joe. I don't care what you say, and I'm talking <laughs> we'll get back to it. So, but back to Bad Moon Rising, who probably was in college in the late 80s. He was, yeah. you know, great pro in the early 90s. So, Andre Bad Moon Rising. Now, the reason that's great, first of all, we've got to be friends. Um, he was a heck of a player, receiver, but. <sighs> You know, if there was a bottle flying somewhere, it inadvertently would hit him. Not literally, but you know what I mean. Yep. And I say that with love, not as a knock. Uh, so not only was it a song, it was kind of him. Or if you're trying to defend him, he was a bad moon rising because he was a great receiver, pro bowler. Now, a few years later, I met him and he had a tattoo. This is when tattoos were not other than Samoan players at that time. You really didn't, you know, military, naval it wasn't prevalent really 90s in locker rooms. I wouldn't, he had the moon and he had bad moon <laughs> on his bicep, which is, I assume he still does, tough to get those off. There is no way he ever heard of Credence Clearwater Revival. There, there, there's no way. But he, he said, See, I went, oh my yeah. God. It's on the record. That's pretty cool, right? That's very cool. You know what, guys? I've got a great idea here. We'll play a quick game of lightning round. Chris, Mm -hmm. John, and Joe. And I'm Mm -hmm. just going to ask your questions, ask some questions. And the first thing that comes to mind, John, you're on the hot seat first. Uh, uh, Who is the most aptly nicknamed Hall of Famer? hmm. Whose nickname just fits him perfectly? 
Well, I think Chris mentioned Concrete Charlie. I mean, thinking about the way that he played the game on offense and defense, I mean, that's, uh, I may be taking a, a, an easy way out there, but, uh, but you know, I, you know off, off the top of my head, man, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, Joe. Oh, all right, the same question? Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the same question I'm going to answer, and it's going to be kind of a, a, a reversal. Uh, the 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 most apt name, Ming Joe Green, is also the most unlikely one because it really when he got that nickname, it wasn't in reference to his behavior. It was in reference to the Mean Green machine that uh, his college football team was known for. Chris Broadway, Joe Namath. I mean, if, I, if he happens to be my guy, I mean, I mm. grew up at Shea Stadium, blah blah blah, and 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 he was Broadway Joe. Is that? Better than Mean Joe Green or Concrete Charlie. I'm going to give a couple of obscure ones. Uh, not obscure, but I wrote this down because I like it, but it would not be the answer, and then I'll get out. <laughs> so Hugh McElhaney was a really good running back in the 50s and then later 60s. And this was a subtle one. Hurrying Hugh. It's like, yeah. ah. I mean, it's, again, a little before my time, although he was finishing up when I remembered. and and But again, slinging Sammy. Uh, the Kansas Comet, and Joe's favorite nickname, who was not in the Hall of Fame. It's a Buffalo Bill, Joe. Right. Albert Golden Wheels Companion. <laughs> well, I know the newspaper man that gave him the moniker, and he shares my last name. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it, there are so many great names out there, Chris, you bring it up, that aren't Hall of Famers that, you know, that we – uh, particularly, you know, whatever your favorite team is, you, you've got them. But one that uh, I think everybody recognizes, and I'm going to give you a little side story to it, but Deacon Jones. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that, well, you know, well, his first name was David, but when he, you know, wanted to uh, make himself recognizable or make a mark for himself, he says, there's too many David Joneses around. I'm going to pick a name that nobody's ever had before. And he gave his name himself Deacon, Deacon Jones. Well, Fast forward many years after he retired, he's here visiting the Hall of Fame, and I had to break the news to him. I said, Deacon, do you realize that there is another Deacon Jones who played football, pro football? And he said, oh, BS. And I said, no, for real. And I had to drag out the encyclopedia and show him there was a guy whose name was John Jones, who uh, probably for the same reason chose the name Deacon, and he played in 1920 for the NFL's Detroit Heralds, and then in 1921 for the Akron Pros, both NFL franchises. So Deacon says, well, nobody will ever remember him no matter what his name is. So he was satisfied that he was sharing his name with a no-name De Deacon Jones. Maybe, maybe he was a preacher. You know what, Aditi? The Papa Bear George Hallows is pretty good, too, in your category of yeah. what's a perfect nickname. Yeah. What yeah. About, what's one that you wish that you had given, Chris? What's one that you wish you had come up with? One that exists, you mean? Yes, like sweetness or the bus or the refrigerator, or is there one out there that you're like, gosh, that's just such a great nickname? Oh, wow. Um, you know, getting, getting to know the late Walt, that's a, I mean, I, I should come up with another one, but I, I got to know Walter, you know, the late Walter Payton. He was a sweet guy. He, I mean, he, so again, that would go back to reason. That would be great. Of course, the refrigerator, the Bears had, you know, you could take anybody on that team. Um, but um, he, 
that goes back to the generation before us. They were descriptive. Although you wouldn't think a tough running back who had the, you know, the all-time yeah. record, of course, would be sweet, like mean Joe Green would be not mean. You know, Chris, I want to I want to bring something up. You you give nicknames to things that aren't even intended to be a nickname. In other words, you give a, a name to something else. And to my, as you know, favorite team, you have made something that has been said now for two decades. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows it, but it, you know, is is I'm giving you credit. What other kind of saying have you created? Not a nickname, but a saying like that that has lived on. Well, for a team, um, mm-hmm. I I mean, I don't know that it's really my credit, although I'm giving it. Um, uh, greatest show on turf. I. I think that was me, but I don't even, I think so. I don't want to take credit. Or, so I might have read it somewhere. So someone will say, no, you stole it from an article in the, in yeah. the Independence, Missouri paper, which is possible. Um, I certainly made it famous. And this one, I guess, now that I think about it, Steve Sable told me this was mine. I, I in no way intended to be mine. I was only imitating John Facenda, obviously, the voice of God and NFL films. And I mean, you, 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 your hair stands up on your on your mm-hmm. arms when you say John Facenda. Right. But I, by me saying, Joe, the frozen tundra of Labo Field, he goes, you know, Facenda never said that. I said, well, <laughs> what, what do you mean? I, I, he might have used the word tundra at some point. But he played back stuff for me, the frozen, the barren wasteland, or et cetera. Yeah. He said, Steve Sable, he said, frozen tundra is yours, Chris. Like, <laughs> whoa. And I guess that stuck, didn't it? Yes, it did. When you mentioned the greatest show on turf, Chris, that brought me to what I believe is a great disparity in incredible nicknames for defenses, but not so many for offenses. So, Maybe you'll tell us, Chris, which one's your favorite. Joe, you'll tell us which one was actually the best. And John, maybe you'll tell me of the best stuff are. And I'm thinking the Monsters of Midway, the New York Sack Exchange, the Purple People Eaters, a team that I grew up on, the Big Blue Wrecking Crew, the Steel Curtain. Um, more recently, I covered Saxonville, which I kind of thought was really smart. Um the killer bees, right? The no-name defense. When you think of all of those great defenses, Joe, which was the actual best one? Oh my! You, you forgot the Bermuda Triangle, but uh, we oh, both, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. I'm sure I forgot more. Keep going. You know the, the steel curtain to me. It, it mm. not only um, did it define the guys, but it truly lasted a long time. Like the Orange Crush was really a season or two. Uh, the Purple People Leaders was, you know, a long time, but not like the Steel Curtain. And it even still lives today. I mean, they'll make reference, you know, of, of the new Steel Curtain or something. But I think that's the one to me that um, survived the test of time. Chris, which one's your favorite? Which um, name? I, I was clever? going there. Joe took it. You know, and you know why? Because it'll bring to this show. And that's a great, I got to say, these are fun questions because these are my stock answers. Like, Okay, if it if I'd had a, like a little take home final, uh, I I'd have some great things for you. But um, part of the reason the steel curtain, I mean, look, we had the doomsday defense, we had the fierce and force, and with Deacon Jones and Merlin Olson, et cetera. I mean, we could go on. And you're right, 
not that many offenses, although, you know, um, uh, the K gun and stuff, but not even close because all the hall of famers on that Steeler defense. I mean, that, that adds to, I mean, not that the fierce and forcing, for example, two of the four are hall of famers or the doomsday defense. And here's Bob. So, but all of the Hall of Famers, and it was all 11. It wasn't just the front four, which the Purple People Eaters were, too, or the Sack Exchange, which is a very good one, and I saw them play a ton. Um, the Monsters of the Midway kind of got – anytime the Bears played tough defense, that was – it was really the 50s, right, Joe? Although when Dick uh-huh. played, you, you expanded it to the 60s because it's a great nickname. But you really didn't – the Monsters of the Midway wasn't the nickname of those 85 Bears – Although you heard it because that was team. So still curtain because they're just all the Hall of Famers. And and the, the lasting image of that team. Um, and, and the Steeler fans all over America who have never been to Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, not that they're the only team, obviously, but I, I, I'd say so. Isn't that, and that goes back to what you were saying about how cool it is when a nickname stems from a place like Iron Mike. Isn't Iron Mike because of the steel mills from where he was? Is that right? Iron Mike Dipka, Joe? Yep. Yeah. It, uh, it was part of his personality, obviously, is as tough as steel. But, you know, Iron Mike is because he's a Pittsburgh, or, you know, a, the Western Pennsylvania guy, another guy that had that list. And, and, it, and it was the blue collar demeanor that he brought to the game, too. John, why do you think that is? Why why aren't there more offenses with nicknames? It, you know, it's interesting. You know, you got, I think Chris hit on it. It's usually um, groups as opposed to the entire offense, you know, and that's where greatest show on turf is, is so great. You have the hogs, um, you know, but that was, that was the offensive line of, of Washington there. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's easier to maybe, uh, from a defensive side of things, you know, uh, a defense really is all about all 11 guys working together. Yeah. And so maybe, you, you know, it, it's a little bit easier to say, you know, th- this encompasses the entire group. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the purple people eaters. And I just talked to Alan page not too long ago. And, and Alan was like, I hated that nickname. He's like, I wasn't purple. I wasn't a people eater. Like I don't know <laughs> what that's all about. <laughs> the Bengals have a quarterback right now that, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what, uh, you know, what, what's, what's his nickname, you know, and, uh, you know, is it going back to Joe Cool and Joe Montana, or is it, you know, Joe Shiesty or. <laughs> you know, that's so funny you say that. I was, um, I was at a press conference where I asked him, what do you like best? Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty, Joe, all the, and he's like, you could just call me Joe. <laughs> he's, I mean, uh, yeah. that is the name his parents gave him, right? So. Right. He probably, out of respect, you don't want to take, I mean, Joe, Joe Montana was Joe Montana, right? I mean, he was Joe Cool. That's who he was. Pure Joe Burrow is that type of guy. I've only met him a little bit, but you're not taking that. You know. That's you know that just made me think of another Pittsburgh bred one, Curtis, my favorite Martin. Oh, I mean that's on my list of 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 uh, he loves it. Although that goes back to a TV show, definitely before you were born. Um, I've heard of it, right? My well, favorite my Martian? favorite Martian, with, and yeah. which dating ourselves, uh, the yeah, yeah. you know Ray Walston and Bill Bixby. My he loved it though because. Uh, 
and and some of the players like Marshall Falk always enjoyed when I when I did Marshall 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 I mean it, it, a lot of the guys really even if it doesn't really fit them uh they like it because it in the in the day when publicity wasn't like now right. and of course I still TV this is not newspapers in the 30s or radio but you know, as long as the publicity is pretty good and people know who you are, most of those guys like it. Um, I loved your Natron means business. I mean, <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, I, I, and especially, I forgot about that one. Natron means business. You had to do it like when he was rolling over guys. I just thought of a of one uh, right now, just in the course of listening to Chris, and it's Chris. Throw back, 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 Berman. It's all right, Joe. That's a beat. <laughs> Come on. Uh, the best one I ever got, other than George Brett's, um, I it was on a radio show like late eighties, you know, and like the host asked their hostess. I don't remember now. You know, what's your favorite nickname that you ever got that someone sent in? And then they had a caller call and go. How about Chris? I'll never be your beast of Berman. And I went to Rolling Stones, hold all calls. We have a winner. Um, <laughs> well, well to know, that point, how, how did Boomer come around? Well, that was more co workers in like a year or two in, John. It, 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 uh, Chuck Pagano, who went on to be our executive vice president of all things technical and is a great guy, but we all were working at 2.30 in the morning. He goes, boy, you're pretty loud on these highlights, you know. We're going to call. You really boom them out. And I said, well, you know, it's late. It, you know, we're trying to keep people tuned in rather than snoozing. And uh, we're going to call you the boomer. And that, so it's not a boomer Esiason, you know, or, or, or David Wells was the boomer. I mean, you know, it wasn't anything birth or kicking and you know that sort of thing but um that's how that became um i'm gonna go to one now he hadn't played much this year but remember a couple of years ago i remember we do uh and i i he's backup quarterback with jalen hurts so you haven't seen much of him uh gardner Minshew, but that's a good one when he's back to pass and i i, I go meh Miss you, you know, and um, um, especially when he completes one after he's running around Fran Tarkenton like, um, and that's a good one. But we we haven't seen him much. Um, we you have know fun with current one of yours that I really like, Chris A B C D Lamb. I like that one. Well, because it's a nursery rhyme, right? <laughs> and I am used to singing those right now. So yeah. <laughs> But well, that, it's just it's it's so clever in its simplicity. Well, like what else would you put in front of CD Lamb? A B. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you get to sing it. A B C D uh, E F G C D Lamb has scored a T D. You know, like and that. I don't know if that puts your young ones to bed, but may, I put many people to sleep. I might. The tuna is in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. um, it, what's the best, what's your all-time favorite coaching nickname? Oh, well, because it's so not him. It's not him, but it, it hasn't stuck as in all over. 
But when he first coached, I'll say the name in a minute, just to keep the suspense. Um, you know, he was at Cleveland first before his fame at New England. So that's that. And he actually young and this and Cleveland was on the West Coast and they had these nice looking orange sweaters. They were playing San Diego, not knowing everything about Bill Belichick in 1991. I had met him, but not, you know, understanding that he's really the hoodie and et cetera. Uh, I called him the Natalie clad Bill Belichick, which by accident was such an oxymoron. I mean, it's just so. And so when he I bring that out when it's ridiculous, you know, uh, uh, well, if it's snowing, you make fun of nobody because you're wearing, you know, Nanu, you know, of the north. But but when it's sometimes when he goes full bore Bill through the 20 plus years at New England. I always try. He likes it. The Natalie clad Bill Belichick when it's like one sleeve is cut here and one sleeve is below the elbow. Um, and it's funny. I did an interview with him. Oh, years ago. I mean, 10, 12, 13. Um, and we're, we're really good friends and, and I'm happy to say it, but um, he, I said, where do you, you know, we were talking about, have you ever walked? I think the question was, have you ever walked into Neiman Marcus, you know, when he starts laughing and now he goes, old Navy is my Neiman Marcus, something <laughs> which for him was perfect because it's Navy also. But uh, yes. I don't think that's kind of how it went. But so the, the Natalie clad Bill Belichick is almost a tongue in cheeker, isn't it? It turned out to be pretty good. All right, before we wrap, um, we do want to ask you all these years of helping with the induction at the Hall of Fame. You've obviously spent a ton of time in Canton. What's a great place to visit in Canton? I sometimes just like to look at that at Jim Thorpe statue when I walk in. I mean, I haven't seen a bust yet. I haven't seen anything and Joe will tell you the story of where it used to be. And when we did our tour of the hall in 1981, they opened up my whole tour of it. It was a different place then other than the Hall of Fame. I high-fived Jim Thorpe on the way up, the, uh, the way in. I will say this, Aditi, and it's, and it, you know, it's early in the morning, early, it's in the morning. But the parade that they have, and I've been in it a few times, and often I'm preparing what I got to do. So if I went to the parade, it would be, it would be against, not against, it'd be counterproductive for what we have to do. Uh, especially last year, we were back to, we were, you know, during the day, but I wrote it in a few times. Once one, and my kids, they were younger then, um, uh, rode with me, but I rode with Ralph Wilson when he went in the hall of fame. And I, Joe remembers this clearly. And uh, for whatever reason he had, asked me to induct him, which I will take to my grave. I told him that at the time. I will take this to my grave that you asked. But I rode with Mr. Wilson, and who was, was he 90 when yeah, he, he was? He, I think he was 91 when he was inducted, yeah. He was still sharp, Aditi, you know. Um, and just his comments. I mean, he rode, and I was kind of in the back seat, and he turned back and, and made comments. He goes, look at those folks that came out of, um, it wasn't so much a senior center, but it's assisted living. And they're in their wheelchairs with, with breathing devices. He goes, look, they're fine. They came out, they came out to see this parade 
and look at that. He he then referenced it in his speech, by the way. So that would be the correct answer. The parade, because it's a parade, it's America. There, they, the chairs go out there the night before, but it, but it's you know six year olds waving a pennant, and they're ninety year olds on, on on breathing devices. And if you can't tear up a little, thinking about how pure that is, and how the parades must have been in the 60s. I mean, I don't know the first year you had a parade, Joe, 70s, 60s. I don't know. I mean, if you if you can't enjoy that for what it is, it's as pure as it comes. And these are the greatest players of all time. And that's pretty cool. Visit Canton and experience Hall of Famers hometown favorites for yourself. Plan your trip to America's playing field. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please check out the Hall's other exciting podcast, The Mission. For more Football Heaven episodes and bonus content, please visit Hall of Fame Village Media and Pro Football Hall of Fame social media.